0: Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: To the, wow. What? I mean the podcast. Oh you didn't take your medication today. Oh, that's a shame. No, I took his to well, medication today. We'll have to do it John, anyway. Yeah, John took mine. I took his. So we'll see what happens. I'm Matt. I'm John. I am
2: Steve. Figure we'll get that out of the way too. Um so uh I forgot to do this last week, um and I should have. Uh I wanted to thank Devin Jackson Mullen again um for coming on the podcast and being a guest. He wasn't a guest last week, of course, he was a guest two weeks ago. But um, I spaced at the beginning of the episode, so I want to make sure that I put that in here. He was a wonderful guest and a delight to have. Um, I'm quite fond of his music, and it was definitely an
0: interesting album to discuss. Even yeah. though we ended up all around thinking it was meh. we Including
1: him. Including him. <laughs> he thought okay. it was
0: more meh than we thought meh. Yeah. Though he doesn't have as nearly a defined scale on which he rates. So he may be along the lines of our meh, as opposed to what we would consider our meh. That's true.
1: Everyone listens to music differently.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Everyone rates music differently. New tagline. That's Matt, we happens. Yeah. That's what there
1: Matt says, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Mm. But it was great to have him on the show, and hopefully we'll have him back next year, maybe sometime. On to this week's album, I guess. I don't really have anything else to say at the top of the show. So this was Steve's pick that uh, he shocked us with last
1: week. Well, I didn't shock you. I, I told you. <laughs> well... You didn't tell us until I the end. didn't tell you to the very end, which is what we like to do now to to leave each other waiting. No, that's not true. I always preview it so you guys are ready. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> Most actually, of the time. only who you want to preview it to. Yeah, I know. just using me because I'm sitting right there and you want to, you know. I don't tell Matt. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, so we shocked Matt with this. Um, this today we're doing handwritten by Sean Mendez. Uh, I picked this because I thought it would be an interesting experiment. I mean we spend so much time looking at artists who are sort of made in the shade or or in making, sort of further along in their age bracket, and we often disparage youthful sounding artists because they don't really speak to mature enough themes. Well, how are you gonna approach that when the guy is sixteen? So he is <laughs> 16 sean <laughs> mendez was born in toronto ontario uh he was raised in pickering but he really came to fame just from posting like cover videos on vine pretty much i mean obviously that's the kind of way you can share stuff in today's social media environment even if it's just those little five second clips i believe that's as far as vine goes right five, five seven, or six, six seconds. seconds yeah. Something and like that's that. all you get so actually it's a it's a an experiment in brevity and that's what he was tasked with, and that's what he did, and apparently that's how he got noticed. Immediately they hiked up to something around millions, you know, within a matter of months. And very soon he was signed to Island Records. He was discovered by Andrew Gertler back in January 2014, and they soon after released the very first single and the first track on this album, Life of the Party, in June 2014. And a little fact about him, which I think is why he's worth looking at, he's the youngest artist to debut in the top 25 with the debut song on the Billboard Hot 100, making it to number 24 for the week ending in uh, July 12, 2014, and he was only 15 years old, 11 months, and 4 days of age. Wow. So that is actually, uh, I believe he, Bieber had a, originally held that record, and this guy has stolen it away. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Not yeah. That's not impressive.
0: That's curious, because he, still, he couldn't vote at that time. Couldn't vote, couldn't drink. If could he was drive. a U.S. citizen, I mean, we, I can only speak from U.S. because I don't know the intricacies of Canadian law. Much but he can't start vote, the drink, drive. I mean, he would barely be doing driver's ed. So this is a very young individual. To have that accomplishment is yeah, pretty good,
1: amazing. That's a good point you made. I think I think they uh, give Canadians the bottle what at like eight years old. You know, <laughs> here's some Molson. Oh, wait, oh, oh, alcohol. I thought. You yeah, no, yeah, potentially syrup. Uh, pff, well, <laughs> that's a different route. <laughs> here's your first (laughs) right from the backyard maple tree Um, so yeah I thought it would be an interesting experiment and there's a little story behind this Uh, a few weeks back me and a friend of mine we popped in the Woodbridge mall as we do we approached the central quad where everything just kind of converges Um, and though we were still some ways from the center, we immediately found these, these, like, swarms of people just rushing ahead toward the center, and I could tell that that swarm was almost exclusively girls between the ages of 11, 15 or so, and they moved together in tandem like flocks of birds. And before we had any hint of what was going on, we'd hear these little periodic undulations of ear-piercing screams. And finally we dug our way through the stage in the center, and we spotted some posters of the album cover, and then the MC got up there to announce that Sean Mendez will be on shortly. And then he proceeded to hype the audience up for a while. Now, we didn't stick around to see him perform because, frankly, the ear piercing screams were painful. And, you know, we're hanging in the mall. Uh, so. I, w- I was curious because you were painting stick. a very beautiful picture of undulations and flocking. And I was a little worried uh, that. And, well, it worked. We ran, you know, like <laughs> the predator, <laughs> the prey from the predator. So. Yeah, that that's essentially how I discovered Sean Mendes. Didn't hear him there, but I heard of the hype there, and I decided to check him up later. I was just like, you know, I think this is an interesting thing worth reviewing because as I said earlier, we often do disparage like youthful sounding artists because the mature themes just aren't there. But what about when immaturity is irrefutably the demographic? You know, 16 year old artists are not discovered and championed for their keen insight into the human spirit. They're championed because of their image, for one thing, For their perspective musicality for another and that's something that if fostered can really like break out in the future but ultimately they're they're recognized for a perspective that older artists can never regain and that is youth young love compassion at an age when it's probably it's most exciting because it's it's fresh love at that age let's face it you'd never get to go back there we've had a lot of music where we're reaching back in in nostalgia you know but it always comes across as being a little bit sad like so many years ago but what about when that is the thing that is now that is the subject um so yeah i think um i think we'll just dive
2: into it well it's also interesting to approach an artist where we can't really harp too much on an experience because of course he's inexperienced first album and he's so young i
1: mean it makes sense to be a little inexperienced absolutely that's so we can't exactly fall back on our uh, go-to terms. We can't go back on like, oh, well, uh, you know, that's. This is just the look at the lyrics. Come on, look at the lyrics. It's so high school. He's in high school. No, I agree. Um, you know. So let's. Why don't we drop right into the first track? Drop,
2: jump, whatever it is. Um, let's. The first track, of course, is <laughs> "Life of the Party," which when I first saw the track, I thought it was going to be like a dance song or something, just on a, on a pure looking at it level, um, and it's not. It's absolutely. Uh, you know, a slow piano intro song. It's uh,
0: kind of crooning almost ish. He well, has a solid voice. It's it's got a range that really is very indicative of his youth, and it's it it's really he still has strength to it that. Some voices get better, some voices get worse as you really reach maturity, but he
1: seems to already be hitting his stride vocally, and I like that. I feel like he's got a voice that we're probably going to see into the future. It's not the kind of thing that's going to crack. It's already cracked, so he's, he's past the tipping point. It's the kind of thing that will probably gain a lot of traction with years. That's what I heard most immediately. Um, And, of course, the voice comes in pretty quick right out of the gate. It's very clear that he's the central figure. He's the central character. All we had before that was just your classic four-measure piano intro with the light little spinet piano, you know, the kind of unprofessional sounding, the kind of piano that gets the job done. It's just made to sound as informal as possible, and then out comes Shawn Mendes, who everyone is waiting for, just as they were in the mall. (laughs) So, I mean, even take, for instance, the album cover. It's just him. There's nothing else. This it's is just him there in the center of the album cover, looking all dashing.
2: Well, it's 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 the portrait of an artist. It's this kind of thing where he's you know he's the focus. It's it's about him. You know, he working with a variety of I'm sure
1: producers and other folks, but it really is about him at its core. He obviously also doesn't have the uh, the capacity to take a hand in every single element of the songwriting at this age. That's why the label steps in there. They sort of help him out with um with all the minutiae And and all the the technical work, so it allows his existing artistry, as was originally noticed, you know, it allows that to stand on its own, and that way he's just kind of hoisted on a pedestal in a sense. Everything else gets taken care of. But yet, he still had a pretty significant hand in in most of these, uh, in most of the writing most of these songs. It's at least, I would say, maybe, uh, we're talking about a 12-track album, I would say about 10 out of 12 he is at least one of the members in the writing team. Only mm-hmm. these first two tracks do not have him listed at all. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because they wanted something that was a little bit more um, ah, presentable. Something maybe that they had more faith in based on what they do as producers. They have experience in the business. So they wanted something to grab an audience, you know. But then later on, you get into his personality let's talk about his vocals since we did mention the singing coming in I mean he's got a very
2: good voice he's definitely especially for his age he doesn't sound as young singing as he does speaking um, because we did listen to an interview with him earlier Um, and I think that's because of his projection his ability and his unique range he can kind of move around he's not just a baritone or or an alto. He's not just verados all day long. There's
1: very little baritone. I think yeah. you can safely say he's kind of more in the alto tenor range. But he does um, let his voice get he, a little more even and lower, too. He can get lower, but more often he does uh, reach up to a falsetto. For instance, I noticed there's a point, even just in the in the first lyrics here, um i love it when you just don't care i love it when you dance like there's nobody there so when it gets hard don't be afraid and right at that moment he kind of reaches up stretching that into this sweet but almost tailored falsetto i mean there's something maybe a little bit routine about that motion because of course we notice falsetto all the time where we're we're constantly it, it it's 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 that classic ah it grabbed me he felt he felt more in touch with his feelings at that moment and this is just one of those things that sometimes matters in terms of delivery you know It gets a little old in certain moments, but of course, as as a 16 year old, I think actually his his command of his range is pretty strong. Also at this point in the song, we have the piano with not just the piano and the vocals, but we get a
2: little bit of a bass come in with no percussion, just a little bit of bass work. You have a moment that you think around 42 seconds that they're going to kind of do a bass drop kind of a thing and bring in heavy percussion,
1: but it doesn't happen. Just goes back to the piano and vocals with little, little sparse percussion, but nothing big yet. No, there was um. I think what was this? Maybe the halfway point of the verse. I'm not entirely sure, but I I, the, I did notice that sort of the second verse before we even had a chorus yet, yeah, mm-hmm. the piano was much much richer. Richer, and then uh, and then finally we do go into the chorus, which still I had the same exact um, the same the same fear, I think, that they were going to do. No, fear here, because I, I, I thought what Matt thought. I thought they were gonna do that, you know, that bass drop. We don't get that, though. Instead, the percussion, as it enters here, for the very first time in the track, was just this resounding thump. On the first beat, we don't drop the bass. Instead, it's just one on the first beat, then the second measure of the first beat, third measure, first beat, and it's very slow. It's that thin. There's not much else going on here. Um, the second thing we get is, is in the vocals during the chorus here, I notice that, and this is going to come back quite a bit on this album after, after a certain amount of time where it steps away. And that's a very casual style, a very casual, almost slurred style he has in his vocals. I really notice that here in the chorus, like words are smushed together. I mean, it almost feel, it almost feels, I think considering this type of music, like he's reaching out to a more ghetto crowd, like it's in like the Snoop Dogg curls of his vocals, you know, just smashing it together, like he's trying to like smooth someone at a party while he's a little bit drunk, which seems a little bit ill-placed considering, again, his age bracket, and the music itself is really not that, you know, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't have much attitude to it, it's so warm, so there's a mismatched quality here. Well, it's, he's not singing from the chest. He's not
0: singing with his lungs. He's singing with the throat, like the top of the throat. Yeah, I hear that. Things start getting a little bit just thicker around the edges. This slur, and then the other, that, that is a detractor, but the other big part, and we said we weren't going to harp on it because this is a youngish guy, but he said he wasn't the one who did the writing for this song.
1: No, he wasn't. Well,
0: I want to critique the writing on this song. Okay, go for it. It's really, really simple. It's really, really on the level of sort of platitude as far as the imagery goes. There's nothing going on here that I think really needs to be brought forcefully. That first line you read, I love it when you just don't care. That phrase right there, just don't care, is a really overused phrase in music itself. I love it when you dance like there's nobody there. That, that's the
1: older I mean, these aren't really very interesting lines. It does feel like it hops around from, you know, platitude to platitude. Uh, those those axioms that are just going to grab people for no reason. I, I mean, it's, there's not a lot of connectivity here. But at the same time, again, it's I think it's really more about the build-up here than anything else. Which is why my main uh, compliment is, is the percussion and the sort of slow build that we have. And that was a surprising aspect of the song. The fact that it was really going through
0: while simple, while steady, but a a quality build, an actual flushing out of what's going on. It wasn't by no means groundbreaking, but it felt very appropriate. It felt very concise. It felt very just enjoyable because like you said, we're not dropping the base. We're not doing a lot of the standard tricks and trade
1: pieces. We're going through the motions to try to reach a culmination. Yeah, um, like for instance, on that same exact path, by the time we get to verse three, we get a slightly fancier, but still very, very muted percussion. I mean, the bongos start to rich it up. We have these little, like, pops, but they're still muffled, and you have an echo. It almost sounds like an underwater effect on the percussion itself. It's still very, very reserved, and that was a perk for me. But then, when we get the the, the second chorus, it's a little bit more well-rounded. I wouldn't call this a bass drop, but again, we've had a slow build-up to this point. I'd say, yeah, sure, go for it. I mean, Where... it, was,
2: it was sort of still felt like in the moment a bass drop, but it wasn't so Unexpected or so over the top, it it felt appropriate for the way the song was building. I agree, um, and it really worked well with the way he was singing. Even though the platitudes of the lyrics aside. I like his voice, and the way he's singing in the song, I really enjoy.
1: I think he's got a nice voice, and there's a nice cadence in the song. It's sweet, you know? I think he's got a nice voice. There's still that delivery that kind of, like, yeah. rings with me, and I find it more in the choruses than I do in the verses. Uh, the choruses here, it just seems like, again, that that sort of slurred, uh, schmoozy approach was just a little bit deterring because it felt like it wasn't him. That was my main problem with it. It, it wasn't really that it's, like, you know, trying... It, that it fits something else it's that it's trying to fit something else i mean i've heard his speaking voice you know i did some research i watched his uh interviews and it doesn't seem like that's really his personality at all it's there it feels like the hand of the producer well it's also this is
2: slightly tangential but there are a lot of modern artists who have a singing voice that's like a fake accent almost oh yeah and i can't stand that it's popular in rap Especially uh, uh, a lot more recently with rappers like Iggy Azalea and a few others, they have this kind of fake tone accent that doesn't match their speaking voice or their singing voice at all, and it just seems odd and forced. So, so I can see how that would bother you with this. It seems like it is a little forced the way he's speaking. Yeah,
1: and, and I obviously realize that's a very fine line. That is ultimately is all going to come down to taste, uh, yeah. or whether they can just, you know, pull it off without anybody really noticing. Um, it really is just more in the context of this album that later on, he, he clearly recedes to a much more enunciated style. So, you know, it, it shows he's got the capability. It's just where you're going to sit in that ballpark. Um, let's move a little bit further down here because we do kind of have this, like, bridge-esque section in this track. At least it felt like it was maybe transposed, but, you know, we really don't reach any height. It's not like we're reaching, like, a, you know, a section B or anything. It's just uh, It's a plain-verse-chorus kind of track. We don't have, like, a full-on bridge that's, that's rounded enough to take us out of the personality here. Um... And, you know, it's also not the kind of track that really changes it up very much in subsequent verses and choruses. Apart from the percussion, which I did note, it's not the kind of track that's really going... That leaves him experimenting a lot with his vocals. I only noticed a couple things. Like, in subsequent choruses, he had a slight rhythmic alteration in his voice. Like, maybe he'll throw in some triplets here and there. Triplets where there were none before. Yeah. That's about it. Um, over a phrase that might have otherwise been a little bit more utilitarian or or fixed to the melody that's about all you get there's nothing in the way of like overlaid instrumentation it's it's your classic it's not an overtly arousing track but that's to its credit it just kind of stays it doesn't reach an ultimate point you don't want it to that's basically it yeah i mean all in all as a
2: first track to the album it's a solid intro it gives you a little bit of a taste of what he can do and you know As a single, I can see it being very catchy, especially on the lighter, like I can see this being played on the pop stations as well as like the lighter stations. So you know, I I think it has some range and some reach. Um, perfect. From here we go to the track, the second track, Stitches, which was one of my early favorites on the record. Um, It starts with your standard, kind of standard acoustic guitar and vocals intro,
1: just crooning along and playing acoustic guitar. I actually loved the, just the opening verse here. I mean, tone-wise and rhythm-wise. This is important to mention because uh, he receded quite a bit back to this fairly fast-paced acoustic guitar pattern, and it's emphasized more on the offbeat. You only really get to kind of realize that with the transition into the following pre-chorus. Like, you can sort of play the little game with yourself and not clap or, or not snap your fingers, you know, with that with the guitar itself, but instead between in the spaces, or rather on on what sounds like the and at the end of every single measure. So, you know, snap between and you'll find that it's perfectly aligned by the time you enter yourself into the pre-chorus because there's this, that little jump. And I think it, it serves to kind of connect these two sections and, and and smush them together more in a more crafty way than rather if you just kind of hear, let's say, drop the bass. You know, it's still kind of technically what's happening. Actually, the first thing that you hear is that very resounding bass style, uh, bass tone that falls only just one, again, on the measure, on the first beat of the measure, and that's it. But there's such a, a tonal variance there that you'd think this would be the kind of thing that you just splice together the two sections, splice together the verse on top of your pre-chorus and, and you know, put it together in your digital audio workstation, and that's that. But this, this shows a little bit of a keen... Um, a keen approach in their transition work. But I do have a little bit of issue for what comes later. From the
0: pre-chorus to the chorus, that, while not exactly jarring, has a bit of separation between the two pieces because the chorus is a little bit too upbeat for it. It, it, it just, it walks that fine line between, like, legitimately jarring, legitimately separate, and really being integrated. It's It's... Separated, it has some distance because it's a lot more energy for what he'd already been projecting with just the guitar
1: and vocal work combined together. Even when you start, I mean, more energy in the pre-chorus, clip? No, no, in the chorus. Oh, in the chorus itself. Yeah. Well, it certainly steps it up. I mean, here's the thing: we we of course have that like that bass doubled with the drums in the pre-chorus, and then all of a sudden here in the chorus we have more of a um. We have a lot more going on. It it's, it steps it up in terms of, like, staccato. These, this rhythm guitar steps in, but on top of the rhythm guitar, it really sounds like there's something else. The staccato feels almost like it might be uh, pizzicatoed violins or something like that, or maybe even a mandolin. I can't quite tell because it feels so rich at this point. So it really just stepped it up one to the next quite steeply from the verse into the cor- into the pre-chorus of the chorus. Um, But it makes it a rather fun track for that reason.
2: I really enjoy the rhythm that he's built here. It's got a strong groove that really kind of sucked me in. I was definitely entertained by it. Um, And it, it, I don't know, I think it felt more than just a standard pop track. It had standard things in it, but definitely he gave us the first sense of real character here. You know, a little bit of
1: personality, and it's sweet. I mean, it's a cute track, you know. And it's not his- just the rousing track, you yeah. know. The first one was, in this in this case, it's it really more, more of a hey, get up, have fun, and, and have it on my dime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I wasn't really satisfied with the clapping. That
0: was one thing that did bother me in the end. While it wasn't, like, so overt and so annoying to really detract from it, I, I, I might have enjoyed it had they maybe evolved and replaced it or... Uh, supported it with some some better percussion work overall, just mm. something to really take its place or to to let it breathe a little bit more, to make it more rousing and really let that <laughs> flow between the verse, pre-chorus, chorus
1: seem a little bit more natural. I can't agree there. To be honest, I thought the sti- again it's it's um in terms of of disparate tones, which is why I was affected by this track. If it was more of just a like a compressed block of of constantly rousing me, then I don't think I'd be roused. Again, it's not really about what you reach, it's about how you reach it. So I think the exact thing that you're describing is probably what would ruin the track for well, me no, by I'm contrast.
0: That, but that's what it is. It doesn't really show me from A to B how they reach what they reach in the chorus. I, that loss of connection between the two is what puts the difference. I thought the transition the that parts. I had
1: added, sort of like hailed, you know, in the very beginning of the track, I thought that was the main feature. And that's what sort of allows you to uh, enjoy the pre-chorus, following the verse, and then, and then so forth. It's just, I don't know. It's, granted, of course, I think we're dealing with, with tools that are pretty, pretty simple, of course. Yeah. Oh, well, if you want to make it more complicated or if you want to make it more fun, then just layer it on. Make it thicker. It's, I know it's kind of a, a, a cop-out in some sense, but if you're using a pop form, eh, that's kind of all you have. That's that's all you really have if you're trying to, you know, at least get someone to that point. And yeah, I think it's easily the most danceable track on the album. Gr- granted, of course, it does have some little pitfalls, like just little things that I find distasteful throughout. Like you know, the, the woos in the background. Of course, I've gone at length about that. You could probably listen back to episode one thirty eight, um, the Fall Out Boy episode. We had our big cliche, woos. the great in cliche the debate. Song, there were woos. Yeah, there, was, yeah, there, there were just or... little slight things, little background accents, and they were amidst the chorus. It, it, it's pretty unnoticeable. I'll so I'll I'll grant you that's pretty minor. Um, and then we recede to the verse. You know much thinner again but still you have that like clapping every single other beat so that kind of ties everything together and doesn't allow it to recede as thin as the first verse um the really the most interesting thing i found about this song was the bridge because yeah, the bridge here absolutely. was more of a round like i noticed it had, it uses the lyrics um needle in the thread Got to get you out of my head. Needle in the thread, gonna wind up dead. And it begins by him singing. And then all of a sudden, after that, it enters with a sort of choir or a male choir somewhere in the distance, off to the to the left ear. <laughs> yeah. And then you know it reaches back to him, but they overlap. One doesn't get to complete the verse before the other steps in. Instead, one starts singing, and it's just like the old you know, row 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 your boat, round classic. Yeah. And one goes over the other. It, it it sort of manages to ramp it up even in the last stretch here.
2: Yeah, I really like the bridge as well. I think that that round that it created continued to kind of fill out the character that's being developed in this song. It was unexpected.
0: It adds a little bit layer uh, to the imagery that the vocals are projecting and does a great job unifying and... It's, you mean it's just a, in the it, sense,
1: needle and thread? got gotta get you out of my head? No, no, so I'm he, talking about the
0: way it's goes being Goes over used. it again? The way it's being used, the way it's actually being put together with the choir work combined with his voice and the way they're working on one another, that itself is adding imagery. You could have been saying anything at that point. Just oh, well, the way meant- it's being used is so nice and a little bit refreshing and a little bit out of left field when it comes
1: for, quote, pop. Well, so you said cool. lyrically, and I, I I do think that would be a valid observation. Yes. I mean, lyrically, I think that matches up quite well. I mean, gotta get you out of my head, so hence, why not view it as a kind of round that, you know... That's that, the next ...that part. occurs every time you try to get it out. It, it's connecting the lyrical content with
0: the presentation of the vocal content, which is not something that we see very
1: often, but it's doing a great job for that. Yeah, and there's also a lot a, a lot else, I think, in this track. I mean, frankly... The whole idea of just sort of saying this from a youthful perspective lays into this pretty, pretty thick. You mentioned earlier, Matt, you know, just the idea of of sort of singing about you know kisses and comparing them to, or needing stitches because you'll be missing their kisses. I mean that's, that's so sweet. I mean, so sugary. It's saccharine. It's <laughs> absolutely
2: saccharine. <laughs>
1: that's what you want. That's what you want yeah, out of this absolutely. environment because that's young love. So yeah. yeah, you watch me bleed until I can't breathe. Even though it's a little <laughs> harsh, I'm shaking, falling to my knees, and now that I'm without your kisses, I'll be needing stitches, tripping over myself, aching, begging you to come help. And now that I'm without your kisses, I'll be needing stitches. It's it's, it's, fun it's fun exactly work, what you want out cute, of a track, and like I this. really enjoyed it. It did justifies the the crowd that <laughs> that surrounded him in the um
2: now track three which also was an interesting turn but kept things interesting i was really on board with the first several tracks of this record so track three never be alone
1: kind of has this spaghetti western sound it's very mumford and son esque it's that kind of of course the spaghetti western you know it's due to that like workaday whistling in the and background the guitar work acoustic guitar very very work. warm guitar work and it brings to mind that very, like, old Western style. There's a country appeal in here, certainly. I'm almost waiting for, like, that voiceover, you know? Man's just gotta be a man. That's, <laughs> that's gonna enter. And also... The, when the, my the, balls drop, I'll, let you, <laughs> I'll revisit this subject. <laughs> the, 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 um, well, Steve, if your balls haven't dropped, you might
2: want to see a doctor, I'm just That sorry. was Sean
1: talking. Oh, okay.
2: Jeez. Yeah. Um, also, I think it, I like the pacing of the song. It kind of gallops in the way that a spaghetti Western would, and it's got a nice pacing.
0: But the vocals and the way the lyrics are designed actually kind of goes against that. He's very methodical about his vocal work. He's very methodical about the phrasing of his verses. It doesn't get away from him. He he has his statements and he says them in a in almost that spaghetti western matter of fact kind of a
1: way, but with his own little lilt to it. Yeah, no, and of course, I, like that lilt is kind of a strange thing here. I mean, in 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 this particular case, I thought he definitely. He added up. This is where he was enunciating, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, we don't have any of that slur that we had in the first uh, in the first track, and we didn't really have much of it in the second either. So, really, here he's cleaned up quite a bit, and that lilt has become a lot more pleasing. In addition to that, um, I mean, f- frankly, it seems like he's acquired a lot more of that Mumford and Stunt style. It seems like he's got that candidness that they would have here. Uh, I say that not only because of the the, the sort of Western feel of this. Granted, of course, Munford and Sons were pursuing, I think, more of like an Irish, uh, Irish brogue sort of in their music. But again, it's it's that warmth. I think that's the real common thread here between these two styles. And it's utilized quite a bit. Let's be fair here in, in pop music in general. Um, I'm a little <laughs> over it, but it does seem to have this like capacity to to win us over every in every four-year generation interval. Well, it's also tasteful in this presentation.
2: And it, it, it's sweet and tasteful, which get, makes it sincere.
0: And so you're kind of warmed up to it and, it, and it brings you in. And when it gets to the chorus, finally, they start introducing strings. They start mm-hmm. introducing a very, very slow-beaded uh, kick drum. This adds a lot of solidity and a lot of focus to what's being said in the chorus that I do enjoy a lot. It, it
1: doesn't just flush it out, it builds it up very, very well. Isn't the chorus itself? Yes. Yeah, No. the chorus I really enjoyed, not only for that beat, work, but also for, um, I mean, the beat is almost besides the point here, again, I, th- I think it's fairly steady. If anything, I enjoyed it probably a little bit more for the, for the piano accents on the chord changes. We have a, a three-chord chorus here and it cycles through and then it just kind of like weights it out. Um, it's very pleasant, it's very uplifting. Um, but it's the string arrangement that I think yeah, really brought anything. this out, yeah that's really what I think separates this track because well let's face it, uh, most of these layers that that enter in are are kind of expected. the strings eh could have could have came in this album, could have not, and in this case it's not just it's not just there in the background as a drone it's it starts building out in in certain sections. I think it was more in the bridge that this occurred in in the bridge it's sort of like actively accompanying they step in with these very gorgeous harmonies between phrases so you're kind of like previewed it in the chorus that okay well there will be strings and then enter the bridge and then all of a sudden you you get to hear the innards rather than it just kind of like being there um that's what people want to hear in string arrangements otherwise it's just utilized in production work as i think a, a kind of a, a a unifier something to tie everything together um but yeah no this 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 started to really, like, branch out here. Vocally, I also thought he was experimenting, too. Vocally, I think he was a lot more playful with this. Of course, now we are in the first track he's written. That's important. Or at least helped um, right? Or at least helped right? In this uh, particular case, it's written by Sean Mendes, Scott Harris, Martin Tarif, and Glenn Scott. And it was actually produced, uh, produced by Tarif. But, um, yeah, it was actually very experimental, especially in this bridge here. He felt like he was kind of like taking the melody and twisting it and contorting it to his own devices. Um, He was extending it. He was was letting it work with his voice instead of making his voice work with
0: it. And that's something that he had yet to do in this album. Yeah. To have the music be more beholden to what he was doing is something that we... That I'm I'm really really enjoying because that's what I like in a lot of different vocalists where what they say is not just a part of the music but the music is trying to
1: catch up with it is trying to support it. In this case, this is the first time he's really doing that. It's also that that you know in artistry. Good art breeds good art, especially in a collaborative environment. So, you know, him writing the song, perhaps taking some more liberties with his vocals, especially at this, you know, climactic point here, it might lend itself to the orchestrator. I doubt he was the orchestrator, for instance, of uh, the string arrangement, but whoever was doing that probably has him to work off of now. Since he's experimenting with his own vocals, then the strings can kind of find a kind of find their voice and find their beauty amidst his vocals, which is why you get that, that great interplay um, in the bridge between the two things.
2: This is also the first song on the record where we get the strongest setting we've gotten. You know, yes, it's reminiscent of Mumford & Sons, which is a pretty specific picture, but still, we get a setting of kind of that Old West feel, that Spaghetti Western feel, and it's, it's warm, it's nice, you know, I don't mind being in that world And he's kind of painted a pretty clear picture here, even if the lyrics don't really support that setting, the lyrics can kind of be
0: anywhere. They do have a nod to it, though, with lines like, when you fall asleep tonight, just remember that we lay under the same stars. I mean, right there, you're thinking, like, Arizona Desert or something like that, uh, Home on the Range, what have you, but... It's, it's showing a, a little bit more of a connection between what he's producing and what the people are producing with him. I'm liking the fact that some of the artistry seems to be coming forward in this. There's also one final little tidbit that, for me, kind of stuck out, and that was that drum roll that came in very late, which, a nice counterpoint to the very steady percussion that was going on earlier, but very sparse, to have that sort of, like, being a culminating factor throughout it, without overtaking anything, was very
1: tastefully done as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that was—well, first of all, again, it's been done. You could yes. say it's been done by—we constantly mentioned Mumford & Sons is a good go-to example. Also, so is fun, you know, this constant—this this incessant drive to use, like, a military— um, you know, come on, bring bring the men around and just, like, let them uh, let them help me tell my tale and, and profess my love to you. There's something very non-militaristic about that. I frankly find it a bit of a stretch uh, in an artistic medium. But musically, it worked, and it did not pervade the entire song. It, mm. it came in fairly late, and it was just kind of, again, the final stretch. It takes you out. Um... I would only have maybe one other little musical critique here. It's very slight, but the wraparound from the bridge I thought was a little bit weak. It's sort of, you know, building, building, we kind of peak at this five chord, and we just wait for a second and then kind of like fall back to one. Like this sort of, I don't know, It again, it, it feels too familiar for me. It feels like the kind of thing that has been done before by Mumford & Sons, by a lot of other artists. And again, still being pop, I expect quite a lot of musical borrowing, it's just something about that. that that wait and then fall back to the familiar sounding one was a little bit childish. I don't know, kind of calling it there. Um, granted, I think he did that between the verses and the choruses earlier, but but I don't know, that was just too much at that point. Uh, then again, I do have one final compliment to kind of like cancel that out, and that was at the very very end, following the whole military snare thing. We had this outro, which is just like pure uh, guitar and vocals, and then as we enter into this little last. Chord change at the very, very tail end here. Get the major one, move to major five, and then all of a sudden we have this passing diminished chord, which is a, a little new music element. It just Again, that one little thing in your successive verses to change it up from earlier on. You know, just as I said earlier, his only go-to tool was the rhythmic changes in his melodies. Well, in this case, it's a chordal change. Throws in this passing diminished chord and then finally goes to a minor six. And I thought that was just a very tasteful, like, intermediary that made the outro sound very, very um, fully formed and not, a hun- not wholly predictable. Next up, track four, we get Kid In Love. All right. This is this, also written by Mendez, uh, but also um, Zmishlani uh, and Harris. It was produced by Tarif. So we have basically the same characters in play here helping him out. Right away, we're
0: going to be getting something a little bit different. He's showing another aspect of his vocal dy- uh,
1: dynamics. He's, he's going almost hip-hop.
2: It's an R and B kind of influence, yeah. It's somewhere in that between
1: area. It's R and B influenced, but I like to make the distinction here because of how I think we've been on a separate thread for quite a while. And it began with Jason Mraz. Jason Mraz, around like you know, circa two thousand, was doing this sort of like uh, reggae meter style to his adaptation of hip hop, and it turned into its own thing. And a lot of other artists started following him in suit because. In, instead of you know pursuing the same the same backbeats and the same uh, the same arrangements that a hip hop track would have, instead all of a sudden it's just more about the vocalist and their meter with the guitar. It's a lot more cool. It's a lot more natural. And Jason Mraz in his early career, I thought was in, in an expert at this sort of thing. There have been some you know. Uh, deliberations over the latter part of his career, but it was really, really strong for a while. Uh, Jack Johnson also kind of followed suit, except not so much as reggae, but pursued the same very, very mellow style. Lots of artists had gone toward this. A lot of them have gone by the wayside, and this is kind of what he's reaching. Um, But it's just that one step removed from hip-hop that I think, you know, it's more in this environment than the other. There's there's very little hip-hop on this album, period, frankly. Sure. Um,
2: there, There are definitely influences, from it. I can tell that the way he's singing in the song or the way he's constructed certain beats on certain tracks is definitely influenced by
0: it. But what the verse first verse does to have it really not, not change musically from the previous tracks but to introduce this new element, when they go into the chorus and they do bring that overtly hip-hop beat into the mold, I feel like it's almost someone saying it's necessary to have it. It's necessary to have this sort of thing to match the sort of vocals we're doing. Yeah. And
1: in this case, I, I, it, was, it was very, very removing for me. I See, I don't hear any hip-hop in, in the rhythm work of this, of this piece, frankly. It's all just in, like, again, the reggae is what I would call it. His voice... Or, okay, it, his reggae. His vocals are a little bit more reggae. Um... And then when you look at the music, for the vast majority of this track, it is so reserved that it's really not, you can't say hip-hop, you can't even say reggae, and I wouldn't even say the kind of thing that Jason Mraz was doing. It just seems very, like a backdrop that is almost mismatched with his vocals. His vocals have a lot more attitude than the rest of this track has, and it made it, frankly, quite a bit boring for me. It, it's, it's carefree, perhaps, as it should be. Um, let's look at the lyrics here. I know that we just met. Maybe this is dumb. But it feels like there was something from the moment that we touched. Because it's alright. It's alright. I want to make you mine. Hell, oh, how sweet. The way you're lighting up the room caught the corner of my eye. We can both sneak out the back door. We don't have to say goodbye. Because it's alright. It's alright to waste time tonight. Yeah. And then, of course, the chorus. Maybe I'm just a kid in love. Maybe I'm just a kid in love. Oh, baby, if this is just what it feels like, falling in love, then I don't ever want to grow up. Well, that sums up pretty much the whole entire song. But I don't know. There's something about the music here, which it's so reserved. Uh, It's only carefree because it barely reached the mark.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I don't know. Like, I like that, the chorus that you read. I think it's sweet, like we've been saying since the beginning. But it is a really nice, innocent look at love. The idea of this is being in love that
0: you don't want to grow up. Yeah. You want to be in that moment forever. But that means... For me, it means that it's going to appeal a little bit heavily towards the younger audi- audience. And the previous songs, yeah, they were kind of sweet and carefree.
1: They were and generalized. Childish. But they, seemed timeless. Yeah, they timeless seemed timeless. Yeah, timeless and Here, it's a
0: little bit too much towards the, you know younger teens. It's well, a little bit too I mean, much here. But he's here. writing a Unless song about
1: young love. I mean, of course it is. And then, of course, there's always going to be the, those people that take it metaphorically and they're going to be like, well, you know, I felt like a kid in love even if I fell in love at 45. You know, that's that, that could still happen. That's true. And, you know, frankly, think, frankly even these young artists, they find a pretty wide demographic. It's not always, while, of course, the primary demographic is, you know, teenage teenagers, they do find a, it's wider than that. You know, but there's like you like you have insinuated i might just
0: outright say there's no real maturity in the music to go along with this it, it's the the music is the same sort of level as the content of that. the singer that keeps it from really like i see it really like breaking the boundary to really try to reach a larger audience I i'm agree not with saying that, that's but- going to hurt the song as a piece itself but it means that it's hard for me to put myself in these places it's hard for me as just like trying to take it more objectively to put myself in a song like this, if everything feels so childish.
1: Well, just to give some leniency to your earlier comment uh, about how initially you detected, you know, there was a chorus that had um, uh, that had more of a strong, as you detected, hip hop beat. But hip hop arm beat, some sort very, of rhythm. That this certainly doesn't enter in the first chorus. It doesn't even. Uh, Enter in the second chorus, I think. But maybe the final chorus, there is some attempt around this last leg of the song for the music to try to catch up to the vocals. Um, More of a shebang as a whole. Just every instrument just seems to try to kind of enter in here and input the same kind of reggae meter that his vocals have, or at least play off it in such a way. Um, Even earlier, maybe even the bridge the piano tried to take more of a reggae rhythm. That was sort of an interesting little... uh, Little aside, but there's no unity, and that was my problem. And again, it's the tail stretch there. I, I, I felt like the music was taking such a backseat role. Well, why should it only now catch up? It, it didn't save the song in any capacity. So,
0: eh. well, that's do? that's what it is. The music only really under, undergoes um, a thickening of, not really a building upon itself, not really a, a, an intricacy question, but just making more of it. There, it's so light to begin with that. As it builds more and more into it, it's almost undetectable at points when they start putting in parts because, well, it's still a very much the background piece. I
1: think you just came up with his second album, Shawn Mendez, The
0: Thickening.
2: Wait, <laughs> that would be a terrible album name. Shawn Mendez, if you're listening, don't do that.
1: That would be a great Also, if you're listening,
2: hi, Sean Mendez. Um, Thanks for
0: listening. <laughs> yeah, hi.
2: Hey. Uh, now we go on to track five. I don't even know your name. So, what I liked about the start of this song is it had. We've had songs, a few songs now have started with guitar and his voice, but the crooning way that the guitar, piano, and vocal kind of. Intermingle in the start of this track really kind of hooked me. I thought it was there was there's something to it. I can't really find the right word to describe it. I, I would call
1: it sort of a moseying guitar. Moseying, That's, like, that was th- it. There's something very just strolled and relaxed about this. Even before the vocals even enter, it's just the rhythm here is so smooth. I noticed like from the very very beginning that sort of it doesn't begin on the one. You have a little bit of a pickup there. That four and one, two, a three and and two. A three and four and that's exactly the rhythm and it's just this happy stroll to it i love it um well it
2: gave a strong setting to the song too and i love my settings and songs and i really could picture him like the music video for him performing this song walking down the street with an acoustic guitar singing to folks as they walk by almost like a street performer in times
1: square almost kind of a kind of, thing. of feel like you're on top of the world too yeah. like like you know you, you own something like like but not a lot you know, yeah. like there's something that you have that is really, really good. Well, of course, we're probably hinting that that's love or maybe even in this particular case, I don't even know your name. There's just that one thing that you have, you know, and that is just that conversation, perhaps, yep. you know, and that's the thing that you're going to hold on to for the rest of the day. Sort of like your castle isn't big, but you own it. But that's what took me a moment to get into
0: here. In the previous track with the setting reacting to him, him being really immersed in the setting well, after the first half a verse even, I, I got into it. It was a little bit jarring to see him actually taking a, what I thought was a step back. When he finally gets into it, especially when he gets to the chorus... A step back in what sense? Uh, him reacting to the music and the setting as opposed to the setting reacting to him. Okay. When he really gets into it, he does a great job of really immersing himself within the song. And this plays up when he starts introducing other elements, when you start getting the bass really become um, a major component. When you start getting the build and the blend working together,
1: uh, it, it, it creates a character unto itself. Well, my only thing is that I heard this from fairly early on, from after after the intro, which, of course, was just the guitar, then we have the verse, and I feel that Stroll already kind of, like, started linking with the bass and with the drums. And there was another thing that, obviously, when people think of strolling, or, or rather strutting, better use the word, they think of, you know, that, that classic strut, let's say, in, like, Saturday Night Fever, you know, John Travolta just walking down. There's something very 70s about that, or... Not, not necessarily disco, but maybe more in, like, the style of pop that would just be hovering around that, perhaps. You know, it, it has this, like, confidence to it. And I feel like that's what this was going for. When you combine the bass, combine the drums, um, I think there may have also been a, a, a string section in the background, too. It's just this 70s throwback style here that I, I heard in this track I didn't hear anywhere else. There's a little bit of an edge to everything. Yeah. It was uh confidence, all of a sudden done. It it kinda of summed up confidence for me. Actually I I remembered it wasn't the uh the the string section, it was a brass section that stepped in there for the chorus, and that's what really took it back to the seventies. I also really like how tight the
2: bridge is in this song. I mean he's had some nice bridges, but this one, I mean, between his vocals, the guitar, and the guitar work specifically, in that bridge, it it really did kind of add to the already developed character of the song
1: well that bridge is was a, is a real throwback to the previous uh to the previous track i mean that's where that reggae tr- twang was just so strong it, it rang of jason mraz again um but i feel like even in this track he infused something in the vocals that that separated even from that influence uh, perhaps even the fact that it was this track was sort of all over the place. It was like, all right, it was back in the '70s. Now all of a sudden, he threw in a rev- reggae section, which was pretty interesting, maybe a little shoehorned, but it shows that he has the capacity to change up his style on on the dime, if if only subtly. And it
0: was talking about that subtly, that change. It was the fact that he repeated the bridge, uh, the the vocal part twice, but he changed his his attitude and his voice so dramatically from one to the next. They felt like. Almost an A and B as far as vocals go, uh, sectionally. It was soft. It was attitude. The two of them put together, same thing was being said, but put just a beautiful spin on it that it really, it just added to it. It, Yeah. And that's
1: great to see that he's able to just keep adding to what he's doing. I think that, that, that shift there might be a matter of taste, especially... Um, really it's going to bank on whether you are into those two styles. That's sort of like borderline disco style, but also borderline reggae style later on. And they do seem like, I I think musically they matched up well, but for any listener that got really, really, um, comfortable with one, then that's probably going to be kind of a harsh shift for you. My favorite part of the song really is just that, that main melody in the chorus in this case, the, the melody that is highlighted most, um, and I don't even know your name, and I remember all I remember is that smile on your face, and that slide that he uses right there is absolutely beautiful. Right on face, just kind of rises up, uh, at full interval, it, it it was it was gorgeous, and it'll kill me every day because I don't know your name. So yeah, it, I mean everything about this is just you picture him on the street. That was a perfect imagery, Matt. It just meant like he's singing to random people that he doesn't even know because well, there's a girl on my mind. It's just that classic you know music video. You wanna. You want to, I don't know, you want to buy the guy a drink, Yeah, but you can't, because he's 16. (laughs) That's true.
2: Um, From here we go to Something Big. No, I mean it. Like, the track is called Something Big, track six. Um, Yeah. So, this song, I quote, starts with sound effect, bracket, I'm reading this from the lyrics,
0: cute giggle, one, two, three, four. And so then, it's more one, <laughs> two, three, four,
2: and then the verse is oh, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa
0: whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's whoa, whoa, the chorus. Whoa, whoa.
2: That's
1: actually the chorus. But it comes in at the beginning of the song too. And it's mm. more of a—I would call it more of a pre-chorus or sort of a hook. You know, almost like in the same situation I a couple weeks ago. I Don't care what it is. I, I'm, I hate care. it so much. No. Oh god. All right. Well, I—I I, I have a problem with this for very specific reasons. Um, I like the fact that maybe it took more of an aggressive edge. I guess the track kind of had to had to stand up eventually. Had, I feel like we've been so relaxed. It had attitude a bit. But bad. I don't know. The the guys just standing in the background shouting "whoa" and it's the twang that they use too. It's that same slurriness that he used earlier in the album that I found kind of distasteful. But now these guys are like going all out with it. it to be frank, it sounds like a bunch of douchebags <laughs> to stand in like on the sidelines shirtless. I feel like this is the cheesiest music video and we're not even looking at anything. That's just the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Then we get
0: piece after piece after piece that really just amounts to, I dislike the transitions. Oh, Individually, the parts start adding up to be a, a random collection of different blocks and shapes and sizes that don't really fit together, but individually
1: could do something pretty. Individually could do something pretty. I mean, depends on your point of view, again, like... In the last track, whether you're with the reggae or whether you're with the 70s, you know, take your pick, you know, but the transition's there. In this case, I think it was really a harsher, harsher shift. It's less, well, take your pick. I think the outro, uh, excuse me, the intro was, was... I don't think it set up anything. I I had very, very poor hopes as of that intro and as of this verse. Um, or excuse me, as of the hook. But then by the time we really fall into the vocals, into the vocals in the verse itself, then this was all of a sudden a lot more, a lot more funky. It had, it had character to it. If you can just kind of forget about the fact that you had started off with something fairly poor and you just live in this environment, then I think a lot of things are working together. The guitars and the bass are like playfully offset. And then the vocals sort of work in tandem with them for perhaps maybe the first time in this album. I said earlier on, for instance, that the vocals feel like they are a character unto themselves separate from the backing arrangements. It sounds like what you'd get in a production environment, where the vocals step in later and they track over, you know, and they're listening to what hurt occurred, or maybe it's vice versa. It feels like there's this this interplay for most of the album that doesn't really lend itself to everybody playing together and grooving together, and this this section here was the first time I felt that. This is a real positive it's just a shame that every single time this happens we are dragged back, screaming to the hook where those woe guys <laughs> step back into the mix and it's just something very uh, unconnected about th- about it, which is why I think. Uh, John is focusing on the transitions. Yes. It's
2: very reminiscent of an album we reviewed a very long time ago called Overexposed by Maroon 5. Oh, or as, episode 4. As I like to call the Adam Levine show. Now, this said, I like Adam Levine's vocals and his singing style. I think he's a great singer. But that, the biggest problem with that album is it was overproduced and there was too much stuff. I think... In the sense, there's a similarity here with just the, the clutter in this track and the sudden poor transitions. It's like he's trying to be a belty pop singer, but not, there's no cohesiveness, and you just get lost. There are good moments, like John said, but overall, I'm getting knocked around like a rag doll, and I can't enjoy any of it.
0: It's mm-hmm. like reading a choose-your-own-adventure book just straight up page by page. You're not bouncing from sixteen to eight to fifty-two or something like that to actually hear your to see the story going on. Here, there's no continuity going on between the pieces. Everything yeah. so sectionally keeps you from staying immersed, like Steve said. It keeps you from you know delving into those verses. And maybe he's not saying the best thing, but it's working. Forget what he's saying for a moment. There's emotion there. There's a character there that is really starting to break through, but then it gets just completely out outpaced and outshadowed by bridge work, chorus
1: work, that's just not up to snuff with the rest. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's really it. It's a matter of not up to snuff. I mean, the more and more I think about this, it's not, I don't think we're dealing with like divorced material right here. I think in many ways, probably this track kind of fits together in a sense. It's just, you know, how do you go from something so funky to something so cheesy? I feel like that's the conscious decision that I have a hard time Ugg grappling with well and also Um, he
2: he clearly has a talent and a knack for some musicianship in the rest of this record even in other moments where we weren't super impressed there's still a musicality
1: that's there and here it just seems to be confusingly it's only it's only in those cracks though because in the rest i think this actually has a lot of things going for it i mean i feel a lot of latino influence in this track Uh, i can't say exactly what what brand because i feel it's sort of again a little bit removed from it that Um, was in the bridge that was very heavily the guitar work that was done in the bridge later on the well track. there was a bridge actually yeah that bridge sort of like instrumental um that stepped forward with kind of this interesting rhythm to it it was just like a how to describe it I, I would almost say bec- between the cracks here like the between the cracks of the rhythms in this in this context mm-hmm. it steps forward in such a like the the breaths are there you know all the little all the little curlicues that you'd that you'd include in a very, very uh, intricate dance, but not something that is necessarily um, slathered with, uh, with rhythms throughout. Instead, like, it's not showy. Instead, it's just spaced. And those little moments are gonna stand now, the little heel kicks, the little spins, you know, but in general, everything is just kind of like grooving along. That's kind of the impression I got here. I do have something good to say about the track, and I feel it's important that we do have some
2: positives Or find the positives within track. For me, it was that it was short. It was only 2 minutes and 41 seconds. If it had gone on any longer, I would have been a lot more unhappy. Because again, those cracks were glaring enough that I couldn't really enjoy this track on a whole. But it didn't overstay its welcome, so whatever, we were able to move on from it. Which is nice, considering the following track, I thought, was sort of better in moments. Maybe? Uh, Depends what part of better we're talking about here. So track 7 is Strings. And it starts instantly with the vocals and um, some rhythm guitar. And he's got this kind of fast, oddly paced singing, which I really liked. I thought it was different. It was reminiscent of the Jason Mraz thing that Steve was talking about. But a little even a little faster than that, almost even closer to a hip-hop
1: style singing. Well, what I liked about this... In the very beginning was just the chord work. This yeah. was something where I was really looking keenly at this at the, at the guitar, the the very subtly dense like like sus two chord that he started out with. I didn't f- hear like a full ninth chord here, but that's cool. I thought that sus two was actually very very tasteful. We step there down the bass. Really is is changing our chord here. It drops down to an F, and we're left with a diminished chord. Kind of like losing hope here. This there's, there's sort of a uh, there's sort of a, a, a depressing edge to this that I don't think the album has really had before instead this has been very positive positive, you know, just finding love um now granted of course this is i think lyrically i think more of a more of an ode than anything else mm-hmm. but that's where we get some of the split and i'll explain that as we go to our transition but first one more here in in this uh chord lineup we drop the bass down to e and then in context a major seventh which i often find as being more uplifting here is a lot more sorrowful having come from that diminished chord Um, and then we kind of returned back to the minor, uh, sus two. So, it wasn't really exploratory. We could have pushed this along, but I still like that round. It's a very, very nice verse. And then the vocals, you're right, kind of reintroduced that more, like, fast-paced miraz delivery. It was very done, very crafty. Um... But then that chorus drops, and that's where something changes here quite strongly. I thought it lost the edge that it had, and I was going to mention the uh, the lyrics before. It does find its way kind of back to the positivity that is in these lyrics. Unfortunately, I still think that that opening verse had the capacity to, to... envision uh, an ode like this like these lyrics represent in a similar way. Because there can be uh, sort of you're revealing a lot. That can be that can be pursued in, I think in a depressing manner, as the verse was building, but we don't get any of that. Instead, we're just dropped onto this overly positive and painfully generic chorus that I find very this was the harsh shift, frankly. This was I think the most painful transition on the album to me. It was Maybe not fully
0: terrible, but way too digestible. (laughs) Way too (laughs) obvious. I mean, it was almost ordering a Happy Meal kind of a chorus work here. Well, My my least favorite part, though. The pitch was written like decades in advance. They're just mad-libbing lyrics so that he can go along with what's going on. They don't even care about the syllables. They don't care about the words themselves. They just want his voice to hit
1: certain levels so it matches to this very steady chorus. It does sound like, again, like everything is sort of compressed, but again, my issues here really all come back to the chords. You know, we had that really alluring intro and into the uh, the verses, but here in the chorus, we just slide up a relative major, which feels kind of awkward, again, for that chord progression. Now, all of a sudden, we're not in A flat minor, we're in B major. It's very resounding, and we just from one chord, we go up to the minor two, and then back to the one, and then down to five, and one, two, one, five, it's just, come on, It's it wasn't, this wasn't the time and place for this. It just reminds me of every 90s boy band chorus ever.
2: From, I agree. From the way it's pronounced, the way it's sung, to the clunky transitions, to the uplifting chorus in the fairly depressing song, it's it's just textbook, and it's a bummer, because he ha- He'd been borrowing from stuff that was sort of textbook, but it's like a textbook with notes in it and annotations and and, and (laughs) other things. This was clearly, he threw a textbook at the wall and said, here, here's a thing. Here you go.
0: It's a thing that's been done before and it was very disappointing because <laughs> they don't the have textbooks tons. anymore I would say they're using a lot more computers so they don't have to carry around 75 pound books that's not true at all colleges still use textbooks Although, well that's because a, they have to make a lot of money f- during college because that's how they pay for the you know everything that's I guess true um, But all in what all, do you know old man <laughs> all, all, all in all though I, I, mean, know anyway. I agree with all
2: points I think that I think also, like, I'm not afraid to say that. I've come to expect better from him at this
1: point. He's a talented artist. He's not perfect by any means. He's hey, still an amateur. We're seven tracks deep, and we've had a lot of other positive things to say. This chorus was just... Uh, I mean, granted, of course, it, it's, all, it's all culminated at the chorus here, and that's why I think we feel extra specially angry about this particular track. This is supposed to be the highlight, and we just detected more potential, um, even within the track itself. I definitely hear the 90s uh, pop references and the boy boy band choruses it's um it's 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 painful (laughs) it's yeah uh lyrically i'm gonna just throw back to that for a second um i like the whole play on no strings attached you know all right all strings attached girl all strings attached oh yeah it's like all right that i i get that concept even though it's fairly simple he wants all of the strings attached yeah. Because normally the phrase is, no strings attached. What's, no one actually says that in the reverse, and I like that he did that. But it's, it, it's from you a see point right of, through it in, this, in a fraction of a second. It's a point of
0: immaturity. It's a point of just being a, a naive young gentleman here. He doesn't seem to quite grasp what all the strings would be. So he's just going ham hog for it. That is actually kind of mature in its own way. To be able to be from the point of view of a young guy going, I want it all, I want it all. But
1: it's nice. It's nice to actually see that. I do appreciate that part. But the funny thing is that in the lyrics here, he's actually going through these analogous tales. Beginning with the first verse, met this girl when I was three years old. Three? (laughs) You just talked immature. (laughs) This is a little silly at this point. We were holding hands tight, so I'm told. And it felt like an eternity. Said it felt like an eternity. Because I knew back then we were more than friends. Two-sided story, it all depends. I said it once, I'll say it again. It'll only end up hurting me. The classic, like, when I grow up, I'm going to marry her. You know, before you know anything about anything. Yeah. Well, so it's, he, he it's Boy that. Meets World. It's literally the, the Cory Topanga romance in Boy Meets World. Right. And then he's still even reaching back in the second verse. Years flew by when I was less than 12. Long division, I need your help. That's all silly. <laughs> Can you come over and work with me anytime you like? I'll make it work for me, because I knew back then if we get too close, when the time is right, maybe I'll propose, still deluded at this point. Baby climb on up, show me the ropes." I mean, it, it, all these different stages of life where you're thinking that this one person is everything, and yet still he's keeping with the analogy all the strings attached, in many ways saying he'll make the same mistakes. Now, it's a long way to say, like, you know, an, art, an artist of 16, since he's clearly not past the bracket yet, where he's going to be nostalgic. You're still going to be nostalgic to the mistakes he made at 16. I mean, it's actually a fairly interesting concept for that. It does, it, but I don't think it's enough to hold the song up. No, just lyrically. I think it's something that we, we oh, it's, it's, it's something you might miss very easily. Oh, for sure yeah. you would miss. Absolutely. I think...
2: Well, I did miss it. So I think you would absolutely miss it. And that's, that's I think, the biggest shame about this track.
1: Yeah, and then, you know what? I'm not going to say it really, like, uh, justifies the happily diluted chorus, but you could almost say that there's an artistic reason for that. I just think that musically the transition was so poor. I agree. Um, that track left a
2: poor aftertaste in my mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Come on, uh, Steve, you like puns? Laugh. I hate you okay. Um, Track track eight eight. is called Aftertaste, which is why Steve hates me. He hates aftertastes. Um, We go back to that reggae
0: singing style again. Uh, Here, mm, mm, what what he does with that singing style, it's the... Okay, I like what he did, did earlier. I like the speed he throws in when he really stretches his voice a little bit. But we got that coupled with his penchant for mispronouncing things and some of the lines, like specifically... When he goes, pretty please forgive me. He like he, no, like he super he, slurs some parts that are just super, really. Bad.
2: He doesn't even uh, super slur it. He does exactly what Justin Timberlake used to do in sync Instead of saying me, he says may. So it's good. To, like it's in, not, no, NSYNC. no, he Erase does it, He yeah, goes exactly. further
0: than that, and that that little factor, the the back to this slurred vocals, just was immediately
1: turn off because it was immediately there when he starts singing. I heard, I thought it sounded like he was singing like Cartman. So. That's how I'm like. I miss me. <laughs> 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 I, I feel like six, it keeps going back to that over and over. Like, uh, I don't know. Again, that's one part of my problem here. Another part was actually the rhythm, and this was the first thing I noticed in the very very beginning. We have kind of an awkward rhythmic setup. I mean, it's something just about like there's no context. You don't have the steady beat to sort of like react against the guitar here. So instead, it just chooses this like one and one and and e. One. And it's like, eh? Yeah, and again, you don't even odd. have the snapping for the context.
2: No, Hence, you just have It's that. just
1: the guitar doing what I sang there independently. Very awkward. And I thought it was a weird introduction of this track. And usually I like interesting rhythms. But, you know, interest. there's also a fine line here between interesting and clunky. Yeah,
2: um, and this was, I think, definitely clunky. And also we got another predictable chorus. Like, the chorus work here was more or less the same thing we got
0: in the last song and the song before it but yeah. purposely mispronounced and that's something yeah. I'm just going to harp on in this song it was such a turnoff i like his voice i dare say he he will have a lovely voice he will have a great voice 5 6 years when it drops a little bit deeper and he can have it might just expand his range right. that'll be that'll be freaking amazing i would love that but here <laughs> whole new octaves <laughs> instead of like have exactly no that's a big thing well, yeah. Who obviously. doesn't like more octaves? But here <laughs> instead of having more octaves, he's Me. having just weird lilt, weird phrasing,
1: weird everything. He's he's fooling with something that when natural sounds great. It goes back to that thing I mentioned in the very first track, like he and and this is when it's at its worst. It's it's like he's at a party and he's trying to schmooze you, but he's drunk. And, again, how does that really work with the whole, like, 16 years? I think that's distasteful, in a sense. Like, I don't see where this voice is coming from. Again, we heard interviews. We, he doesn't talk like that. That's not his personality, as far as we can see. He's very and well-spoken, yeah. Very uh, many of these tracks in this album, he was enunciating. I, I just, I don't see why he would, like, take on this persona of, a, like, a Snoop Dogg-esque figure, you know, in a track that doesn't match up in the slightest. Um, you combine that, of course, with the uh, the opening rhythm, which is still jerky as can be, and uh, something's just not working here. Something's not jiving. I don't, I don't really, I don't see the the, the premise for this song really. Let's look at the lyrics real quick. Rewind Friday night, never forget it. How you let me go, no more lies. I'll be fine. I know where I'm headed. Probably should have known. And now you're gonna say, pretty please, forgive me. Fool me once, told you twice, you're gonna regret it. Now you're all alone. Turns out that no one can replace me. I'm permanent. You can't erase me, and that's where I really notice it. I'll help you remember me. One more kiss is all it takes. I'll leave you with the memory and the aftertaste. It really does feel like this is in a party environment, you know? But it's like a party that has kind of, like, gone south, <laughs> you know? And everybody's just a little bit disjointed. So... The personality's off, I feel. well. That it's, it's not a, matching a, him wh- with what we've gotten earlier. It's, it's a little bit almost angry. Or at least
0: phrase-wise, word-wise, it sounds like he should be coming off angry. He's yeah. not projecting
1: that. He's still projecting sort of his original identity. You could argue that in some sense the rhythm paints confusion, but that's a way to go. But, but to have that, I'll leave you with the memory and the aftertaste.
0: Turns out no one can replace me. These are trigger phrases that are really, like, showing he's
1: well, definitely gotten, has an issue that's with something. has vindictive side, which is exactly. why I say it's like a party environment where people are just, a, like, they're not thinking clearly at this point. You know, one too many drinks have been had. But you're gonna this, just... guy's, this guy's not vindictive. He gets hurt. That's yeah. that's, that's the whole album <laughs> up to this point. Poor he
0: gets guy. hurt. He's in love, and then he gets hurt. I mean, it's a back and forth, back and forth. Here, it's more an actively trying to show somebody else or hurt somebody else, and it just... It doesn't come off as natural.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you there. Um, and then, of course, there is the bridge. That's probably something worth mentioning because I feel like it does something similar as this chorus did in the previous track. It's a lot more uplifting. Um, we introduce the strings in the background here, and it's weak. It's a weak in context, but maybe I might like it more than the rest. Only again, as sort of a flip around here because I was fairly under-impressed up to this point within the confines of the track. I only enjoyed the bridge really more for like a bookstore pop kind of environment. Uh, so that's not really saying much, but, you know, it, it's, it's, really, it's like liking a moment for a moment. There's really no connectivity there. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know
2: when I'm copping out. <laughs> yes, I totally get it. Um, now we have a duet. Um, Air featuring Astrid S., who is a pop singer as well, as far as I'm aware. Um, She's and, a Norwegian pop st- singer, actually. Ooh, wow. Fancy. Um, <laughs> like, it's you, get fancy fans. <laughs> so, we get, again, a song that's introduced with an acoustic guitar, but we're not left with the acoustic guitar very long. We get a verse that starts with Sean singing, followed by a verse sung by Astrid. They pretty much do this the whole song. We'll go through the, stru- the structure piece by piece, but overall,
1: it's one verse by one, one by, verse by the other, they sing together, then they get to the hook. Now the first thing you notice here, I think, um just as in the case of the last track, is the rhythm here. There's something rather unique about this, but in this case it's not really pulling away me away, it's luring me in. I mean the opening riff here with the with the with the guitars, it's just like this fairly fast paced, like one E N, two E N, three E N, four E N, like there's this little halt, this like dit, 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 and then spaces in between, like staccato um, ornamentation, um, and then over that you have his vocals, complemented by the girl's vocals, and then back to his, and then naturally as we always do, we find the chorus where it's it's the duet both together, and this very bright guitar in the background, um, and then probably our favorite part, the hook. But to talk about that before we even before sure.
0: we get to the chorus before we get to the hook. That first verse, 1-E-N, 2-E-N, yeah. those pauses, those pauses become so important because they utilize those pauses in the phrase work. Having just the guitar working right now, very little around it, when the guitar drops off, they like to drop off the words. That gasp of intake or the breath outwards is so important and they utilize it so well throughout the whole song. From the very beginning, the first line, Never thought that we would end up here. Pause. Should have known it from the pause start. They're playing around with it. They're mm-hmm. actually having silence infused in the song. That is a rarity. But it culminates in a later verse after the first chorus, after we go through that, and we have the section of air, 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 where they're repeating it back right, and forth a dozen the hook times. Right, that's that I
1: was talking about.
0: Which. Yeah, repetition, and I, and I know it was almost a distaste for Matt right away, but I, I, my argument for this repetition is it's short, it's sweet, and there is a weird pronunciation that Matt pointed out that I didn't really notice. It wasn't air, it was air, air. Almost, almost a soft consonant where you would expect R to really be clipped. I liked it. It kept it breathy, and it was very image-driven, but it worked. But the real, the real crux of this song for me, the real part that just stuck out, was when Sean's going through it, he ends a phrase and it's, it's culminating. There's, there's percussion being built in. There's more instruments going on here. It's not that just that guitar. And we're missing out on that, those spaces now, but here we go. And you're gonna try to keep reel me in. And you keep on trying to reel me in, but all I really need is space. And that punctuation, that space right there, it's the focus of the entire song in that little crux. Everything cuts out, he gets that single word, that single syllable out, and then everything comes right back in. It's
1: jarring, but so natural at the same time that it's, it's a really perfect moment for this track. It really is the most artistic thing on the album. I mean, I love the use of that rhythm. I love the fact that it's just a little bit between here. You have emphasis on the ends. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and yeah, just the concept behind it is really what makes it more artistic. I mean, it's it's really nice to, to note like fanciful string arrangements and such, or even the the abilities that his vocals have. But what you're really looking for and what's really, really hard to find in, in sort of the, the artistic and creative mind of a 16-year-old is the ability to, to match that up with your vocal delivery or with your lyrical delivery. To have that, that perfect marriage between the two where, where the music is being utilized to bring out an idea, a thought, uh, a thematic concept. That's stuff that, that even uh, more mature artists have trouble doing, as we've seen.
0: And one final note, Astrid, the guest singer, she's also got a
1: gorgeous voice, so the two of them work beautifully together, especially when they're singing in harmony. Yeah, it comes harmony. off as a more natural duet. I mean, the kind of duet where you actually kind of believe that there's love here between them, you know? Yeah. It, um, it
2: feels very Disney romantic, almost. Yeah.
1: Which is a
0: very appropriate. I, yeah. It works
2: but unfortunately this breath of fresh air doesn't i feel last long enough i like this song no pun intended um with the air joke i made a few seconds ago i i I like this i i i I like this song a lot but unfortunately it gives us a moment and then we go back into stuff that still gets kind of predictable but i'm getting ahead of myself track 10 is called crazy you know the song that starts with guitar work it's a crooning guitar again um, but this time, I feel like the the even from the very beginning of the song, the guitar work just seems very simple when
0: compared to other guitar work that we'd gotten on previous songs. I would argue that it's maybe a little bit more simple, but I we're not it's... really seeing a big difference in the in the quality level. Here, it's I think it may be the fact that we're getting his really solid voice that we've already harped on that we love. Mm-hmm. It's back, but it's doing the same thing that it does with the guitar, so we're not getting anything new. There's nothing going on here that's really going to you know, bring crazy as a forefront song. I just don't know how to describe it differently from some of the songs on the earlier part of the album,
2: because it ha- hits the cliff notes of those songs. I mean, it's pretty, it's it's sweet, you know, it's these words that I've used to describe half the songs on the
1: record, and I I I'm think... just at a loss to describe how this song sounds other than what we've said before one of the reasons you might feel that way is because of course it's a it's a thinner track that has reduced itself to the guitar but i agree with john there really is no change in the in the quality of the guitar um and frankly i i i think that's not really where the focus is here the focus is on is on the vocals and the melodies and i think that in crazy we get some of the more beautiful melodies on the album i mean he feels like he's harmonizing with himself uh in in several instances here and it comes across as very earnest and and sometimes desperate, uh, even dour at times. Um, sure, it's got the four chord progressions and it's got all the stuff that you expect and predict in, in pop like this. But there's there's a lot more focus uh, a lot more focus on the vocals here. Um, it's it's just the guy and the guitar, but he's really belting it at times. I really appreciate this. Um, let's see if there's any reason for that. Of course, here in the lyrics, there
0: is. You're all I think about when I'm awake. Part of every night and every day. And everything's a mess when you're away. Now I know. To go from the first verse. Think I don't need a watch to tell time. Think I don't need the sun to help me shine. Think I don't need a girl to be alright. Guess I didn't know. He's actually showing maturity over the course of the song. That's something that, well, that's great. I love it. I like having a little bit more maturity. And showing a little bit of the, the grown-up... That's hiding behind this kid. Hmm. That's hiding behind the, the stories that he, he's singing right now. He, there's a little bit of evolution as it goes along. But that, 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 that chorus that he goes into, that I just got this crazy feeling, I've been making someone wait for me for me. That's what I think is a little bit of the detractor. The, well, it's a short part, chorus. That's the part that,
1: that kind of draws it away for me. It's a short chorus. Maybe that might be one of the reasons. I mean, actually, I thought the chorus here is. You do you mean melodically? Because melodically, no, lyrically, I think it's strongest.
0: Lyrically, it's it's a little weak. It's melodically, it's the strongest, and it also does something curious. We also get a little bit musical interludes that we seem to have not gotten before in this album. Put those two things together, and without the context of the lyrics, it sounds great. But I was I was really enjoying what he was doing. Uh, on the other half that it was it became a duality. I love the verses for what they were saying I love the chorus for how it was saying it
1: yeah. All right, actually that that is something I would probably agree with here and and I I since I honed in on the melody I I probably more so than I did these lyrics then I I can't help but just agree with that Um, I look at the bridge perhaps maybe as being even a little bit more longing It seemed as if that that kind of pushed it along further. Um, but then again, when I think about that, that may very well have just been an extension of the chorus. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just glad he's returned to this style of singing. Frankly, yeah, this agree. is his earnest style. It's what I fell in love in the, with in the beginning, and I'm glad he. I'm glad he's still back at it. Well, it's his most emotional stuff too. I mean, he it, the earnest singing conveys
2: more honest emotion from what he feels and what he's going through, and I'm inclined to
1: latch more onto that as an emotional person. Well, as I think anyone, as an emotional person, so. And I want to point out
0: one little thing, which is actually going to come up in my own uh, wrap-up when we go. This is the first time you're really talking about emotions. Yeah.
2: Well, there, it gets pretty heavy towards the end of the record. There is a lot more emotion in the way he's singing and delivering the lyrics in a lot of tracks, especially the next one. Well, uh, he's showing more complex
1: themes um, in the lyrics.
2: Yeah. There's definitely a, there is a sense of growth on this record, more than we might have thought we would get. Um, track 11, A Little Too Much is probably one of the more passionately delivered tracks on the record um, it's still got that soft and sweet tone that we've come to love um, but I feel like the lyrics here are a little more contemplative he's definitely he's definitely in more of a thinkier headspace kind of a thing
0: it's more of a storytelling mood of what's going on here and it just the, the more explanatory uh, lyrical work really does speak to just trying to give a clearer picture instead of being the broad strokes he's adding a lot more detail work here than
1: we got in crazy it's uh the other side of the coin it is the other side of the coin i mean not only from the contemplative side but yet the guitar work here is stellar oh i mean the finger picking is the best we've heard on the whole record if this is him (laughs) whoo this is i mean way to go and we know he plays guitar we just don't know whether he you know that was a, a hand throughout this album um but Who knows? But he doesn't stay with the finger picking. And that's what I really, really enjoy. He goes
0: from the finger picking in the first verse, strums it in the second, without, supp- it just completely replaces the picking. That, when he flips it, I'm like, oh, that's a nice little moment right there. It's a very natural transition because he's mm-hmm. not changing instruments. But to go from a very sharp twang to the of a strum, it, it, it kind of flips the song on its head. It, it shows a little bit more moment without even introducing other instruments right. that's the key it, He really changes the
1: context of the song Yeah um, I really like the fact that he amps it up like in the second chorus I mean he adds those like those little accents in the piano that, that sort of in the deeper register that was really nice and also around this time I think that's exactly the part that you were pointing out more in the high end of the guitar he starts like really accenting it there sort of against and that's what's a little bit more finer a little bit more picked. Um, It's the whole track has this this indie pop motion to it that is a little bit familiar But then again, there's also kind of this like country twang to it at the same time It feels like it's existing kind of like between this territory and that's what that's what ends up giving it this contemplative air I mean we get familiar piano punctuation not even familiar for this album, but familiar
0: piano work, but it works it works all these little builds refuse to add clutter to the song and that's what i really like he keeps it very low key now that is a trick in and of itself but the simple breakdown that goes through uh, later on in the song is so light so airy the deep deep piano at the end these are all like at this point i'm seeing them as tricks but it's tricks that he's using to their fullest ability he's he's really taking parts that
1: We all know, but really flushing them out for the context of his songs. The tricks of the trade aren't called that for no reason. I mean, they're still applicable in the trade, usually throughout careers. From here we go to the final track on the record.
2: Um, This is what it takes. So, uh, just to get us going on this track, I mean, from the get-go this track, like the last one, has heart and emotion that we had not really seen earlier on the record. That said, the construction of this track feels fairly uh, predictable as far as a final track goes. But I really like I really like how the way he's delivering the lyrics in this track, and we'll get into this more as John recites some of them, or Steve, considering they've kind of been taking turns today. We do that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I refuse to because then they don't have to edit it ten times when I trip over the lyrics trying to read them. But I really like the way he delivers them. I do enjoy that... That he's, he's got some There's just this this pull in his voice, like he, he's really reaching for that emotional core as he delivers the lyrics in this track. He's done that before, but here it, it's really apparent.
0: He's got the best lyrics of the album right here. Just I love what he does with it. He's got the best emotion. He's imparting them so beautifully. It's the awkward pacing that keeps it out of there. He's got the emotion in the voice, but I'm 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 kind of expecting. I don't know, a little bit more when you really seems to be going full force on the other two aspects of his vocal work. But to really have that marriage to the pacing and to really do just another, I guess, guy with guitar song, which is what a lot of these songs are. Yeah, it's part of his trade and it's what he's doing, but it's, it, it musically for me, it ends up being just another one of those
1: acoustic guitar songs. Well, yeah, it's acoustic guitarist, but, I mean, it's more folk-oriented rather than, like, country or indie. At least I thought it was going to more of a folk thing. Um, I agree with you 100% on the lyrics. Um, Just reading the beginning here. I watch your troubled eyes as you rest, and I fall in love with every breath. Wonder if those eyes are really shut, and am I the one you're dreaming of? that's pretty that's just really pretty, <laughs> pretty. No, it also but it's,
2: feels very personal too this is the most personal I think we've felt on the whole album it's just it really feels he's been singing from the heart before but really here it's really really coming from the heart like almost opening a vein kind of a
0: thing and it's imagery that's yeah. something that I think he's really going full force with the imagery I watch your troubled eyes as you rest just uh, the, you goes can picture that the REM sleep of someone maybe I mean what if she's having a nightmare what if she's I mean, troubled eyes while you rest, someone's eyes darting back and forth beneath their eyelids, there could be so much behind that. You know they're mm. subconsciously thinking. There's that line right there. I'm talking at length on. That's
1: great. I love imagery like that that I can talk at length I on. I also enjoy his delivery I mean, in, in, in the falsetto what he brings back for the chorus here. Um, and if this is what it takes then let me be the one to bear the pain. Oh, this is what it takes. And every single time he goes back to that, this is what it takes. Right on the word what, that falsetto just reaches out. I mean, it's, it's really... It's actually something kind of a full circle here. It's something I noticed in the very first track, that he had that, what I had at the time called more of a, like a tailored falsetto. Sure, we know it's going to come, but it's so well placed. You know, just that, that little, little dot in the middle of the line to kind of the... You hear his voice cracking, sort of, as he's he's describing it. Um, You know, and also the sense of of the line, you know, if this is what it takes. Like a reservation here, doing something you don't really want to do, but you have to. Well, and sometimes when it comes to love or loving someone or being
2: in a relationship, you have to do things like that. Things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you know
1: you have to because it's for the good of whatever. And he goes on to say, I'll break down these walls that are in our way if this is what it takes, you know. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, this is the kind of worldly track that we really, really want out of him. You know, of course, it's nice to, to see the, the young love, and this is clear that it's still what he's going through. But this is the kind of track that can reach out to just about any audience.
2: And it does show a little more maturity as we close the record, and I think that's important. But there was still a semblance of growth, and this is actually a really strong way to end the, 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 the album. It bookends well with the first track,
0: and I really enjoy that. And unless either of you fine gentlemen have something to add to the final track, I will begin the wrap-up. Go for it. It's good. All said and done. Even the stuff that mm, Chunky is, you know, still good, but sectionally, I mean, we, we harped on all these things. We pointed out all the flaws. But the big thing I want to point out here is I was not feeling inclined to start quoting all the lyrics. I was actually complaining about a lot of the lyrical work or really just saying it was lackluster. Steve wasn't really talking about a lot of the musical work. He was I'm talking just, more about rhythm, and that's yeah. about it. And as I pointed out just a few tracks ago, Matt wasn't talking about the emotional work. So, in our own areas of quote expertise, the areas we like to focus on and have harped on for nearly three years at this point, we're not pointing out anything great. Not too often, and not until we really get towards the end of the album. Well, that means that you have sort of an arc, sort of a theme going on here, but it means you're getting a lot of the elements that, well, are tried and true for what's being made. Yeah, this kid's 16 years old, but he also premiered 24 of the Billboard. I mean, I he broke the record. He's this That's a pretty big deal. So obviously this gentleman has talent. That's not up for debate right here. At this point, his talent is not fully... out. Yeah, he's got a great voice. Yeah, he has interesting instrumentation from time to time. Yes, he's working with people that seem to be bringing his vision of his music to a forefront. But I don't think he's there yet. It's definitely not there yet. Right now, it's just very digestible that works with a lot of the sort of things that you come to expect within the genre of indie pop. Little bit of folk, little bit of uh, Hispanic, little bit of this, little bit of that, some funk, some th- and yeah. That's what I kind of expect in this genre. So it doesn't do anything unexpected. It just does a lot of things very well over the course of the album. For that, for that, it's a solid between a three five and a four. I'm just want to hone in right here. And it's, it's definitely towards that lower end, so I'm just going to... It's a 3-5 it's a album. It's definitely above the herd, but it's really not a great album at this point. It, he's he's, he's, he's going to be a 4-star, 5-star potential musician. There's, there's a lot of potential here. And I think that really just boils down to his maturity, to the, the just he doesn't have the years of experience yet. And I'm really, really hopeful for what happens in the next like five years of this guy's career. Um, I mean, we, we did a pretty good job
2: of breaking down this record that I don't feel like I have a lot to add to that. Um, I will say that as someone who gave Justin Bieber a chance, just like any other pop artist, I thought his writing was trite. I thought his music was trite. I didn't really like any of his stuff this kid shows leaps and bounds more talent than justin Bieber, and he plays his own instruments he writes he's writing on his debut record wrote a bunch of the songs which is leaps and bounds ahead of half the pop stars who are twice his age so i think that he's definitely going in the right direction um i'm a person who likes pop and that's no secret and there were songs here that i truly enjoyed Um, I would have wanted more upbeat stuff. I like an album that has a nice balance of slow and fast. This tended to lean more towards the slower side. But that said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just not what I was really looking for. But he's, I mean, hands down, he's a talent. He's got skill. Um, he's marketable, obviously, as Steve's mall experience says. (laughs) So those things alone will get him. He's already got a career. Um... But I agree with John. I'm more excited about what he can do. I don't want to punish him too much for, for na- naivete because he's young. He's 16. I wasn't doing this stuff at 16. Hell no. I, I was trying to get girls at 16. Yeah, trying and failing, but trying. Not. I got, like, a couple. <laughs> Maybe but, even a few. But I, I really like what he's Triple doing. Triple figures. Three. <laughs> I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and as long as he's got the right guidance, I think he's going to make some great music in the future. But I agree with John. It's good. It's not average. We, we've we had some average albums this year. This is, I feel, above average, and I don't want to punish it too hard. I think 3.5 is even still a little harsh. I'm willing to bump it up to a 3.6 because he, he's approaching 4. He, he didn't get there, but he's approaching it, and that 3.6, to me, symbolizes...
1: That he's going in the right direction beyond middle of the road, yeah, it really all depends on what you're looking for from an or for an artist like this and what he's looking for as an artist. um you did mention something, John, about uh his writing being hindered by his age, and I feel like what's that's almost less the issue here. I think that on this album. I almost see his writing being hindered. Granted, we don't know everything. We don't know exactly what hand he had in the writing or these other characters. Um, <laughs> these are the characters. These are the blokes. I-, I feel just as a sense of of the order here in that the first two tracks, you know, were, were not him at all. And then later on, we have him and a mix of of everything else. And then there was one track on the album, which was actually just him. And that was sort of toward the end here. Um which I was quite impressed by, as as well as also the track that was maybe just him and one other person that I was very impressed by. And it leads me to believe that I think there's really more artistry in his age than I find in some of the production work. I feel like he might be hindered by the producers. I feel like he might be hindered more so by people that sort of requests things of him because of the fact that they sought him out. So of course he owes a lot to these guys, and very often that's kind of the the leverage that they have as producers, that they can call the shots and say, well, I think you might want to consider changing this thing here. We have some ideas. I feel like this is where certain little tricks start falling back into, uh, into play here, things we notice. Again, I can't confirm any of that. There's no way to know exactly what was what note by note throughout the album. But um, it's something to consider. I think, really, it's a challenge for for a 16-year-old to, of course, go balls out and do it completely himself. But I think he should try to have as much input as possible because if he listens to his artistry, I think he will um, churn out some of the more more interesting things that I I believe what we were noticing was, in fact, him.
0: And the one thing I would say is... Well, the album was still made with not just him. there were producers producing this music and potentially writing the songs and doing everything in
1: context with the songs themselves I mean he's still working there right and that's the nature of why I wanted to sort of look at um at this kind of artist at a sixteen year old artist because it's something we just don't often talk about you know there's a lot of artists out here just exactly like this in the same exact ballpark young fairly uh, inexperienced but on on the upward slope and we'll probably be seeing uh, much of them for many years or perhaps not there's also the other possibility that they could be flavors of the year, um, flavors of the month thankfully he's already beyond that and then of course there's just that comparison that you made uh, Matt to Justin Bieber and the fact that you see more talent here it's really really something to note and this is at least the artist that I would like to see around for a while or at least maybe that artist I could say hey I saw him when he was an upstart in Woodbridge Mall That'd oh, be you, nice. You did leave before he left. You saw all the fans. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I saw his fans in the Woodbirds Mall. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but I do want to dial it back just a little bit from you guys. I think, I think that you're you're honing in on the emotional stuff here, and I think it is very very strong. But there's also a lot of a lot of cheap shots on this record, but it's it's done in the most innocent fashion. And again, that's why I'm looking at this type of album. It really is a question of how much are you going to hold it against him? And you said, well, you're not going to be harsh on him because of his age. But at the end of the day, an album is also an album. Um, what do we tend to put in like mid three reigns? What do we tend to put in, in what we call like an average album? Um, usually things that offer quite a bit while also withholding quite a bit uh, or, or having not as much refined. There are ideas here that do work in their entirety. There are also a lot of ideas, I think maybe more of a 75% in this album, of ideas that tend to fall short and it falls short most especially by section. I think he's the kind of artist that, based on this album, really benefits. From a removal of the pop structure or at least just a furthering of the pop structure even if that just means experiment a little bit experiment with revisionings of um Of the verses experiment with the instrumentation as you go or perhaps the hooks and just the placement of these tracks It really all boils down to that production tactic that you know Well, all right We're gonna bring it around one final time one third time and if it's not that strong to begin with That's gonna be the most serious problem And I find this in dare I say the vast majority of these tracks even when I tend to like them as I go Uh, So for me, this is just a slight bit lower. I think I'm going to put it at a point. Four, um, just a little bit shy there, which means that at the end of the day, we're all going to round out to three point five in the end. So eh, there you are, an average album from a very, very talented and, uh, and green artist. Um, and
2: speaking of green, even though I did just see the Avengers, not that green guy. I want to talk about his greenness. And do you really think that an artist cannot put out a quality? or even five-star record because it is inexperienced? Do you think it's impossible to put out that kind of a music? I mean, we've talked about virtuosos before. We all know classic stories of musicians who, from the day they picked up a guitar, were master musicians. It happens that things like that do happen.
1: I can remember we had this discussion uh, in a similar sense only two weeks ago uh, because we were uh, discussing then... uh, Wild Nothing, when we had yes. Devin Devin Jackson Mullen on. And of course, the issue of his age came up. Um, not Devin's, but the artist um, Jack Tatum, who, f- who fronts Wild Nothing and pretty much is Wild Nothing. Um, he was 21 years old when he made that album. And we brought it up into question. Of course, a lot of things can be gained by 21. At least by then, you're already graduated from high school. You're already, you know. Driving. Driving. Drinking, for, probably. Driving, drinking further into college. Probably know what you want to do with life. And you've probably had a, maybe perhaps had a series of relationships under your belts. some of them probably one more different than the next, it's, it's, it's a kind of a question mark, at that point, then we can say it's up in the air, you know, some people will take another decade, some people may very well be at that point, and I could say even from just like, uh, composing history, you know, very often you, you come out with the, the, the child prodigies, like the amount of stuff that Mozart was doing at 21 is scary, yeah. really scary, um, uh, same goes for many, many others. But 16, that's tougher. That's tougher. Even I could say that, well, having researched through classical music, you can see stuff that was released around, you know, an artist or a composer's teenage years, and you would like, well, this is not the stuff that's exactly advertised. This is the stuff that is taught to piano players when they're learning so that they can sort of develop their skill because they're learning from a composer who wrote at a young age themselves when they hadn't figured themselves out or rather had not developed their piano-playing ability. So in, in a sense, you're learning at the same pace, kind of. I'd be inclined to only argue,
2: though, I feel like... Well, not really argue. It's actually a completely separate point. I feel like with a 16-year-old musician, it's possible by 16 to have a lot of scary or in, or ridiculous life experiences that other people may not have. Like if you lost your parents at a young age, or if, you know something even worse
0: happened at a young age or an involvement But then you become a superhero, not a musician. Not true. Not
1: everybody's Batman. Or (laughs) Spider-Man. Or all all sorts of things like that. Well, I'm only making the age that is... Making the age... Making the uh, assumption that based on age gaps, we have very, very steep inclines. And I think the age... uh, the. The gap, that interval between age sixteen and twenty one, is massive. That's five years, but exponential growth in terms of development. Well, I mean, when you
0: want to get down to the nitty gritty science of it, uh, proven fact: people's minds don't really stop changing and settling into what they're going to be as an adult till you hit about twenty five. Okay. Things change over that time. You're also going through hormones, and yeah, everybody knows how sucky those could be, how <laughs> disconcerting those can be. You're also going through vocal changes. That's one of the things I kept bringing up with with Sean. I want to hear his deeper voice. I want to hear him keep the range and get wider, <laughs> because that would be just great to have that sort of
1: a thing going on there. It brings to mind a, l- f- a little experiment come to think that just off of what you're seeing with vocal changes over the years even in in your upper years uh, an experiment I started with a couple of college friends that we would have we would record a conversation we have every four years and we began this um, like just on a little dictaphone back in uh, back in 2006 right and we were all 18 totally gave away my age there 18 2006 and four years later we did it again one in 2010 four years later did it again in 2014. Um, now it's funny that this is a crossover here with the podcast where we record every week. so I think that experiment is kind of moot at as of this point, but there were significant changes just over the course of those that eight year period and it, it it's it's insane the, the the things that you don't remember over the course of time the, the the changes in your delivery, the manner of your speaking it's 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 a little bit scary. It's also the fact that besides just the physical changes that are going on
0: going back to, a uh, previous song from a previous podcast from a previous album uh, 10,000 Hours from Macklemore and Ryan Lewis' The Heist album uh, review episode number episode 47 he does not have those thousand hours yeah. this is a kid that maybe 10,000 Hours 10,000 Hours inherently skillful uh, not yet a master I mean 10,000 Hours might be more than his life I haven't done the math yet well I would also ar- it won't be but I'd also argue that
2: Nobody's a master. If you're a master, why would you make anything? You're a master. You don't need to
1: learn and improve your craft. You've already mastered it. I actually remember attending a a seminar with a a very, very acclaimed um, uh, piano player named uh, Vladimir Feltzman. Mm -hmm. He's very acclaimed all around the world. Obviously, he's Russian, so of course he has to be. But um, I saw a little interview where he made the claim that, of course, well, you're learning all the time, even when you're... the supposed master of all and ever, anyone would would probably give their left foot just to be in your apprenticeship still he's still learning and yeah. the second you 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 come to the point where you're not or you believe you have nothing more to learn then your artistry will die yeah And it'll die very quickly i think that it's important
2: to say with this artist specifically speaking to a young seemingly at least prodigy when it comes to his singing and his writing because he's doing some interesting and unique stuff. It's about... He's definitely got a deep footing in talent. Now it's what he does with it. And I think you can't help but be shaped by your experiences. Like I, for one... Grew up with not a great social life as a kid. I was picked on and all that stuff. The things you expect. You were gangly and awkward. I was gangly and awkward. You're still gangly and awkward. Yeah. But we love you for it now. Well, you're short and ugly. What's your point? Hey, I'm not short anymore. (laughs) I'm Steve. (laughs) My point is, is that every experience shapes you. And for those people who believe that something was terrible and they wish it never happened, I mean, it's just not true. No matter the terrible things that happen to you, and it's an unfortunate truth, every experience shapes you. And that's the silver line you have to find in anything. And I think with a young artist who's only 16, he still had limited experiences. And to truly round out a talent and a knowledge, you need life experiences. And you can have a lot of life experiences by 16, especially in the modern age. We have a lot more access to a lot more stuff. But I think ultimately, unless you are a brilliant prodigy at birth, super intelligent, it's very hard to create that pinnacle record
1: right out of the gate. It's also possible, and this is something uh, rather beyond what you're discussing, but um, you could perhaps peak what Not necessarily peak in your own ability, but peak in terms of what other people are willing to accept from you in artistry. This is the case, certainly, of prodigies, but it happens a lot uh, with contemporary classical artists, for instance. um, Especially in the early 20th century, music was moving at such a fast pace at the time that... A lot of artists you know they were they were pushing boundaries and stacking on what had been built before them and which had only been built in the span of like you know five year intervals. Music was changing rapidly, so sometimes because of the apprenticeships that were available then and because of uh the conservatoires that were available back then. You go, you learn, and usually you are probably fairly learned by the time you're 16 years old, such that you probably are going to start writing. And then maybe you reach your early 20s, and you're writing stuff already that is beyond most people's comprehension. It comes from life experience, because your experience, just as you described, Matt, it it goes back. You know, whether that was a tough upbringing or whether that was just being immersed in the world for longer, at that tender age of, like, 20, 21, then most musicians have as of the age of like 45 you know you've lived with it, you've sat with it and it coincides with exponential brain brain growth i think that's also something that probably a lot of us uh musicians that sort of get it going late in the game probably wish we could have had because you don't have that context instead now you're just going at a nice steady uphill pace but you're not going to have those spurts where things change over short periods of time but what can happen from that is i think a lot of these artists got removed from the public eye because they were no longer accepted for what they were doing it suddenly became well and far ahead of what people would accept then all of a sudden they get forgotten and they're they're lost to the ages as of 25 well, we and all... no one no one's taking your calls we also have artists who we've seen
2: go through this cycle. I mean, take Justin Timberlake, who was probably around this age, maybe a little bit older when he started in NSYNC. And now look at him now. He's a world-renowned producer. He's an actor. He's got, he's got an ear for music. And his music has evolved so much from when he was in a boy band.
1: Well, he was certainly latched onto, though. I mean, yeah. he, that's not as if people weren't ready for what he was delivering. Sure, of they were more ready for that because he was attuned to it. And yeah. he, was still, he still just makes...
0: It's still well within the realm of what NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and a lot of the early 90s boy bands were doing. He refined it. Yeah. He didn't break any boundaries, not in the least. But he took what he was doing and made it the best in a lot of cases of what it could be.
1: That's... I'll, I'll just just to sort of reach back because I realize I, I, I gave sort of a vague premise without providing an example. I'll throw out a name. Leo Ornstein was one of my favorite my favorite composers he's i think fits the example of of what i portrayed he was a celebrity at at from age like 16 through 24 and he was forgotten by 30 but he lived to be 104 wow Wow, well that kind of stinks he died in 2002 and the last time he was like a widely known celebrity was the 1920s with a slight resurgence and revisiting in his interest in the 1970s. He's one of the, one of the most fascinating figures in music to, to me. All
2: right. Well, that's <laughs> that's a cap on this conversation if I've ever heard one.
1: Oh, no, I'm, i no. T- you could go right back to your point there. I just thought it was sort of an interesting uh, counterexample of this same exact thing because I know no one else that sort of followed that arc. Well, my point is I think that the, the grand point that I'm trying to make is that
2: regardless of the age of the artist there's room for growth and I think the younger you start the
0: more experiences you can work into your music and but at the go... same time you can also learn some really bad habits at such a young age I it's was... hard to break from those and I was getting to that because you could oh, be oh I didn't see
2: it, the segue. You could be a Justin Timberlake who's really made a career for himself. He's a producer, he's a singer, all that. Or you could be a Britney Spears who's still putting out music. But, but nobody. The same exact
0: pop music that she's been making, but she's no longer, you know, a nice, young, a yeah. nice young 20 year old that everybody wants for eye candy, anyway. Right. Well, and that's also a flaw in general. I- image. When your when your yeah. r-
2: image can also hurt you. He, this kid's image is no image. It's just him.
1: He's just a dude with a guitar. He's a kid with a guitar. That's why I like the cover. The cover is it's just him, and he's not him. And like you know, some kind of like he's like, a little geeky. Eh, look at me. It's, great. it's not this like. Granted, he looks like he's got that sort of dashing look, but it's not. It's like there's no background. There's no yeah. highlight. It's just a black background and his face. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very. As simple, as simple as it gets as far as marketing it's a little geeky and that's really good I like that he's a little geeky well I don't know he looks 16 That's maybe that's just the natural look I didn't look geeky at 16 no, well geeky yeah, is okay. in vogue now oh yeah, yeah that's true. right
0: that's right yeah I looked real geeky I still look geeky ladies that's, you'll never you'll never grow out of that it's a think. podcast they don't see you it's okay yeah, it's, yeah it's I know I'm explaining better, it to them
1: yeah
2: um, I think this is a good point to take off <laughs> take into our... Picture with words. Spam of the week this I think it's week. a great point to get me to stop talking, but yeah. I'm not gonna. That too. Spam okay. Before I uh, pick my album for next week. You didn't pick an album next week yet?
1: Oh, I did. Oh, oh until you announce your pick for next week. Shh, semantics. <laughs> spam. Generally, loans will include extra fees in addition with interest charged. After the lender has checked and approved all the standard home loan requirements, a loan commitment letter will be issued and sent to you. The interest rate charged for these loans is considerably lower than unsecured loans, and the repayment programs can also be longer. That sounds like we stepped halfway into a conversation with an econ professor and his class. That's exactly what it sounds like. Maybe that professor's name was Gail. Is that who
2: the email's from?
1: Just Gail. Spam. There's no, with real names. No 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 crazy letters or numbers. It's from Gail. Well, in fact, what's scary is the email is real. Gail.McChesney at zoho.com. Hmm. Gail okay. McChesney. First and last name for a spam bot. And apparently well, she'll...
0: Professor McChesney needs to fix her email if this is not something she yeah, don't know otherwise. what Zoho is. I never heard of the University of you Zoho. You can have at
1: whatever nowadays. You can just own like numbers and things like that and throw it at a at dot whatever. Well, in any case, apparently she thought that was very relevant to Episode 61's analysis of Hesitation Marks by Nine Inch Nails. Wow. Yes, I remember. There was a lot of economic discussion we'll within that.
0: need to reanalyze that album. Stop, Pre-discussion John. we had Stop. before we even started recording. We were
1: talking about it's kind of amazing that that... Break. We, we should have approved the spam mail. It okay. needs to be on, on that post. Please, no. Needs to. No. I veto that. I don't. Sorry, Gail.
0: <laughs> okay, no, we have veto. So what are you bringing next week? So
2: um, <laughs> in, in the constant... Um, I
1: love you, Gail. <laughs> c-
2: continuation of this year, all of us bringing on artists who are very important to us, since we've been doing that quite a bit, actually, with several bands that were... Uh, Uh, integral to our music development this is a band who is very integral to mine Um, they have a brand new album it just came out April 24th so it's only a few weeks old um, at the point we're recording now it is called The Magic Whip and it's by Blur Blur of course we've mentioned before at length on the podcast by referring to his other bands, uh, Damon Alburn of Blur, his solo record which we reviewed, The Gorillas who we're all fans of This is the first time in a long time, though, that him and his band, Blur, have gotten back together and put out a full record. It's also the
0: first time we're reviewing someone, specifically, the third time on the podcast. We've done a couple of doubles, but yeah, no...
2: No, we never did the gorillas. Oh yeah, that's right. A... gorillas stopped making music. That's not true. We just talk about them so much. I thought we reviewed them. Yes, we're doing. We're bringing back an artist again and doing a repeat, but this time it's with a different band. It's with his band, not on his own. Um, I've heard the single. I'm actually quite excited to review the record because I like Briller. I think they're a great band. Um, they're, they have a strong presence in Britain. They have a strong
1: presence here, and uh... they're great for karaoke. <laughs> Well, cause They're everyone, amazing for karaoke. Because everyone knows song, too. I love that song. And you say that Blur formed your music tastes?
2: Um, they didn't form it, they were integral to the formation of it. Besides just the 90s, they were within that 90s alt crowd that I listened to and the 90s alt rock pop. You know, they were right along with the Eve Sixes and Matchbox 20s and, and Third Eye Blind. You're selling them short. I mean, that
0: was one of the first songs when it was made available with Guitar Hero or Rock Band, whatever it was. It was one of the
1: first songs you saw. So. That's also true, Yeah, um, That's pretty integral. That is pretty integral. Well, we're following a pattern here with us, you know, bringing on bands that formed our, uh, our musical interest. I'm sure that applies today with Shawn Mendes because I know that at 10 years old, I was really enjoying the work he released as of one. That is a great way to end the podcast. I
2: was hoping to leave a long enough pause that we'd force Steve to put more crickets in, but... You, no. you broke that silence.
1: Eh, my mm. discretion. Yeah, yeah,
0: you may anyway. We um, can delete this entire conversation. We wouldn't even know that we heard it. Nope, nope, not at all.
2: I'm going to end this before it Your gets God. off the rails. Remember everybody, music is life. And, and life is good. Life is good.